Welcome to Stepping Off Now, a podcast about how to live your creative best life. If you're feeling creatively stuck, burned out, or like you're not fulfilling your true creative potential, this podcast is for you. I'm Kendra, a social scientist and writer. I spent decades feeling creatively unfulfilled while I pursued conventional life goals, culminating in severe burnout that took years to recover from. This podcast chronicles my journey in real time as I find my way home to my essential creative self and seek to live my own creative best life. I discuss topics like harnessing the intuitive creative process, using creativity to manage mental health, and sorting through all the external pressures and expectations to figure out what you really want. My hope is that you'll find inspiration and solace here. You are not alone and you are stronger and wiser than you know. You can find out more by visiting my website, KendraPatterson.com. Now, on to the show. Hello, everybody. Thank you so much for being here today with me. I want to start by thanking all the people who emailed me after last week's episode to tell me how much it resonated with you. I really appreciate that because for whatever reason, I was more nervous than usual putting that one out. And over the weekend, I was definitely having a lot of moments of, I guess I would characterize it as mild panic, (laughs) thinking about it being out in the world. I often feel that way about putting my stuff out into the world. It's pretty normal. And it's not, it doesn't have to stop you from doing your work and putting it out into the world. But that episode felt a lot more personal. And I think in a way, it's because of the way it came about I didn't plan anything about that episode. Usually I have an idea of what I'm going to talk about when I sit down. I don't like to over plan. I like things to come out naturally in the moment. But I had spent about 45 minutes that morning doing some research for a different episode, which is the one I'm going to do today. And it just wasn't coming together. I guess I wasn't feeling really enthused about it. And when I sat down, all of a sudden, something entirely different came out. And I think learning to trust yourself and your creative inspiration and following through with it is a huge part of being a creative, living the creative life, or just living an inspired life in general. That's what I call the creative life, but you could just see it as a general way of living intuitively and being open to the world around you. And I think lately I've been meeting a lot of people who are going through that transition in midlife and experiencing it in similar ways to me, that it's been on my mind a lot. Something about midlife that continues to astonish me is how it astonishes me (laughs) that there's not a lot of info out there. I, I can't think of any examples that I have come across. Of course, I'm sure there are examples out there, but of of stuff like that podcast episode that I put out where someone talks about a certain subject like midlife or older age. That's another topic that I would love to see people talking more openly about, like what it feels like. And I I think that there's something wrong with that, that we don't put that information out there so that people don't feel that they are experiencing something alone or that what they're going through is, I don't know, not normal or something. I mean, we hear about midlife crisis, but no one ever said to me, hey, when you get to midlife, you start to question everything. It's it's almost like a 
being a teenager again, or going through that quarter life crisis post coming of age, where you question uh, whether or not you actually want to be a grown up (laughs) in a grown up world, sort of along the lines of Holden Caulfield or something, you know, looking out in the world and, and wondering if everyone's just a phony. Well, in midlife, you go through something like that, too. And I didn't really know that. Amazingly. I also think that in our culture, we have this weird attitude towards aging, like we we kind of feel embarrassed and ashamed. And we, we hope that people maybe kind of don't notice (laughs) that we're like, getting older. And that holds us back from being honest, and maybe even with ourselves about that in our lives. And it closes us off to a lot of the incredible, beautiful experiences. And as I go deeper into my creative work, and start to think more about, you know, well, how can I serve through my work? For a long time, I was really focused on just doing what felt good to me, because that's what I needed to do in order to develop a strong creative practice. But now I'm kind of looking beyond that. I'm starting to think more about how I can use my work to just help people feel less alone, I guess. I I would say that that's my primary goal, to feel supported, to feel that they're worthy of gentleness and compassion and love, just bringing whoever they are to the table. Because that's what I guess I have always wanted for myself. And I've learned as I've matured into the middle stage of my life, how to do that for myself. And I want to share that with others. Anyway, those are some additional thoughts on last week's episode. And I'm really glad that it resonated. Today's episode actually is perhaps a loose follow on to some of those thoughts, particularly the ones having to do with bringing your full self to the table, warts and all. I've always really objected to the way that people talk about human beings as being composed of these pieces that are like the good parts and then the flaws. The problem with seeing ourselves as composed of these parts of us that perhaps can reach perfection, and then the parts of ourselves that are the warts, the flaws that hold us back, is that it's all context-based, right? There is no human personality quality that is really good or bad per se, with some few exceptions. It just really depends on context. For example, I grew up very shy kid and was always led to believe that being shy is a major flaw, major flaw, especially in extroverted American culture. I hated it, something I hated about myself. If I had one wish as a young teenager, it would have been that my shyness was taken away. I used to pray to God that he would take my shyness away. And shyness and the accompanying insecurity and lack of self-esteem has really held me back in my life. But at the same time, it's a quality that has allowed me to observe the world around me, to be very sensitive to the complexities of human nature and the human spirit. And it's a quality that has informed my creative life. The reason that I'm able to talk about the subjects I do in the way that I do is because I am fundamentally a deeply awkward person. And the truth of it is, is that most of us are to some extent, right? So that quality of shyness in me is what allows me to be vulnerable on this podcast, weirdly enough, counterintuitively, because I've realized, oh, I'm shy. That's just 
a thing about me. It's not, I don't need to be ashamed of it. I don't need to try to hide it. How about I feature that? (laughs) How about I just put it all out onto the table and say, hey, like I, I'm awkward. I'm a dork. I usually don't have the right thing to say on the tip of my tongue in most situations. I like that about myself, honestly. I think it's okay. And and I'm not saying that like our characteristics, we should try to say they're not bad, they're good. I'm saying that we should move beyond that binary of the good and the bad characteristics in ourselves and just see ourselves as whole people and understand that there's a real complexity in how all of our qualities link together to make us the full human beings that we are. And that there's an incredible beauty about that as well. Today, I wanted to talk a little bit about this piece of writing I came across. It's called The Actor's Vow, written by Elia Kazan. You may have heard of him. Uh, I had heard his name. He was a director in Hollywood. And this summer, I, as you may remember, if you've been listening for a while, I wanted to familiarize myself with some of the films of the golden era, so 30s, 40s, 50s. Is that right? 40s, 50s, 60s? Anyway, that era of Hollywood films, of which he directed a number. And through some of my accompanying research on these films and the actors and the histories around them and their their work, their art, their efforts, I came across this actor's vow. I'm going to put a link in the show notes so that you can check it out yourself, and I will read it in just a moment. But I want to preface this by saying that I'm as a writer, deeply fascinated by the work that actors do. And I think what they do is magic. And I can't even begin to fathom how somebody makes themselves so vulnerable as to get up onto a stage or in front of a camera and do that kind of work. But I think that the reason I'm so intrigued by acting as an art is because in a way it is similar to writing. When you're a writer, you imagine yourself into characters, and in a sense, you're acting the character out on the page. And it's only recently that I've really made that connection. I spend a lot of time watching and enjoying TV, mostly. I'm more into TV than films. But from this perspective of studying the artistic choices of the actors, and also, of course, the writers, the directors, all of those people doing art that gets put into this product that I am a consumer of. So I often see myself as a creator of products that are going to be consumed, but this is a major one that I am a consumer of. And so that's an interesting thing to study myself and my own reactions to this art form of TV. And that's something that I recommend to all creatives, all artists, is that They spend time consuming an art form that is different from their own because there's so much to learn. And you'll be surprised by the differences and similarities and and what studying those can teach you about yourself and your own art. To give you a little historical context into this actor's vow, it comes out of the actor's studio, which Elia Kazan co-founded and The Actor's Studio taught a different type of acting called method acting. You may have heard of this. Some famous method actors are, well, I mean, there are a lot of them, but Heath Ledger was one, Marlon Brando, Daniel Day-Lewis, and many, many more. But 
generally speaking, these are actors who are known for uh, really powerful performances that verge almost on the uncomfortable in terms of how powerful they are. The way that method acting was different from what came before is that method acting requires you as the human being to put yourself into the role. So you have to identify with your character that you're acting. And in order to do that, you have to call to mind personal experiences you have had that allow you to access the emotions that your character is feeling. So method acting is a strenuous, deeply emotional type of acting. For example, if you're if your character is dealing with a loss, you might recall when you lost a parent and basically live that experience again as you're acting your character. So you can imagine that there are psychological ramifications to acting in this way. And acting prior to method acting, apparently, not that I'm an expert in these things, but it was more of, well, acting. You pretended. You weren't merging yourself with the character in this way, or at least this this type of acting hadn't been articulated to the extent that actors would consciously try to develop this methodology. And that's what the actor studio did, is teach actors how to insert themselves into their characters and create a very personalized art of acting. Alaya Kazan wrote The Actor's Vow as a way of, I think, showing or telling his students how to do this. It's almost like a a blueprint of his vision for acting. So I'm going to read it to you now. And again, take a look at that. uh, The link in the show notes, if you would like to follow along, it's not very long. So here it goes. The actor's vow. I will take my rightful place on stage and I will be myself. I am not a cosmic orphan. I have no reason to be timid. I will respond as I feel, awkwardly, vulgarly, but respond. I will have my throat open. I will have my heart open. I will be vulnerable. I may have anything or everything the world has to offer, but the thing I need most and want most is to be myself. I will admit rejection, admit pain, admit frustration, admit even pettiness, admit shame, admit outrage, admit anything and everything that happens to me. The best and most human parts of me are those I have inhabited and hidden from the world. I will work on it. I will raise my voice. I will be heard. Honestly, it gives me shivers. I couldn't believe it when I read this because this isn't just an actor's vow. This is this is a life vow. This is the vow of an artist who feels deeply that what they bring to the world and what they put out into the world is of themselves, that they're birthing it into the world, that that art is more than just something you do. It's more than just something you display for people. It's more than making something to order. But fundamentally, and prior to all of that, It must be an excavation of yourself and an honesty with yourself. So let's go through this, and I want to just analyze a few parts of it that really stand out to me. He says, I will take my rightful place on stage. I am not a cosmic orphan. He's talking about this feeling of belonging, right? That many of us feel that we, we don't have a right to say we're artists, 
or who are we to say that our art is any good? <laughs> or or even beyond creating art, who are we to say that what we have to offer is is any good, that it's useful, that people will even want to to see it, to consume it? How many of us actually do feel like cosmic orphans that we haven't found our place in the world? Well, he's saying, that's your place on stage, whatever your stage is, not a literal stage, but wherever it is where you feel that that joy, that inspiration, that's where you belong. That's where you should be. That's where the world wants you to be. And not only that, as he as he writes, I will respond as I feel awkwardly, vulgarly, but I will respond. So we have that almost obligation to to make ourselves known, but to do that as we are, awkwardly and vulgarly. He writes that I may have anything or everything the world has to offer, but the thing that I need most and want most is to be myself. So maybe we'll have success, maybe we'll have money, maybe we'll have fame, achievements, accolades. But if we are to do our art, if we are to be authentic in the world, if we are to serve, what we need most is to be ourselves. And that is the thing that is going to bring us the most joy is to know that we are whole and worthy just as we are, that we are more than the sum of our parts, and that we have something glorious. If we can just accept who we are and accept that it's enough, and not only is it enough, it is more than enough that we have something glorious to bring to the world stage. The next paragraph I, I think is probably my favorite, so let me read it to you in full. I will admit rejection, admit pain, admit frustration, admit even pettiness, admit shame, admit outrage, admit anything and everything that happens to me. I love this so much because how often are we ashamed of any or all of our, our feelings and ashamed of the shame? <laughs> no, that's that's the very stuff of it. That's the, Those are the ingredients of, of our art, of, of the brilliance that we all possess to bring something incredible out into the world in in this brief time that we have on the stage of life. These are the very things, our our humanness, that we need to delve into. And you can imagine that, method actors, how this would resonate with them, that in order to portray characters, they can't just imagine what outrage looks like or frustration or shame and then act it out. They have to feel that. And to feel that, they have to go into those places in themselves where those feelings live because of their own personal experiences in life. This is what I think an artist does. And I think that your art gets better and more honest because that's what art is, right? It's it's about telling the truth in in an artful way, a creative way. Or rather, I should say, telling the truth through, I'm trying to think of the right way to say this, through acting it out, almost like pretending, but telling the truth through that process of reiterating the human experience through stories on the stage or onto the paper or through your music, through your painting. We're telling stories. That's it. That's what I was trying to t- <laughs> to, to hit on. We are all telling stories, and we do this all day long, uh, even just talking to friends. And our stories are more compelling when they come from a place of real honest reckoning with who we are as human beings, right? The final paragraph of The Actor's Vow, 
He writes, the best and most human parts of me are those I have inhabited and hidden from the world. He is absolutely right. The best and most human parts, the best parts of you are those most human parts. We inhabit those, though, as much as we try to hide them from the world. The more we hide them, the more we inhabit them, right? But they become like our own secrets, even our own dirty secrets that we live with moment to moment, day to day. And if we can't share those with the world, we are separating ourselves from the world because we are inhabiting a different world from the one we put out there and the one we share with others. And that gives us a feeling of alienation, of separation. It's a, it's a cognitive dissonance that causes us harm. These are the best parts of ourselves, the very ones that we are afraid to share, afraid to talk about. The vow ends with, I will work on it. I will raise my voice. I will be heard. How do we work on it? Well, we do raise our voice through doing our art. That's it. We're just working on it. We don't have to get it perfect. We don't even have to get it right. We just have to work on it through raising our voice in whatever form that takes in our lives. And we will be heard. We can read that line several ways. We can read it, I will be heard. (laughs) I insist on being heard. Or we could read it, I will be heard. I will be heard. People will hear me. They will see me. And we will see others. That's an important part that if I were to add one final stanza, paragraph, whatever to this actor's vow, I would add in, I will hear others. Because I think that is the final kind of full circle step that we can take is to hear others and to recognize others and to show them that same compassion and love of hearing them. And if we do that, we too will be heard and appreciated. So that's the actor's vow. And I consider it, in a way, my own life vow now, my own writer's vow, human vow. And I hope that you felt equally inspired hearing it and that it's given you some food for thought about your own life and your art. And again, when I say art, I have a very broad definition of what I consider to be art. Art is is the way we live our lives and express ourselves into the world. It's not really a specific thing we do, like painting or music or whatever. It's more of an attitude, a way of living, a way of being, a way of relating with other people. I don't think that that dilutes our understanding of art. I think that it deepens it to see it in that way. Thank you so much for spending this time with me today. Please recommend my podcast to anyone you think may like it, may find it of use, need to hear what I have to say. I want you all to know that I appreciate all of you, and I hope that you have a wonderful weekend and wonderful week. I will see you next Friday. 